Yay, God. Oh, my goodness. I was so, so proud of our church for your generosity to be able to help this ministry. It's a ministry that we've partnered with for a long time. Uh, it used to be New York City Relief. It's just called City Relief now, but we've, we've sent teams out there. We've been involved with them, and, and uh, many of you have been in those dorms which you saw had two foot of water, just totally underwater, destroyed so much. They were so discouraged. And uh, because of your generosity, we were able to go in there and to help them. And uh, that story, I hope you caught it, that literally they were needed to make a decision. They lost that $30,000 piece of equipment uh, that they made soup in, and it was destroyed by the flood. And they needed, they found one, and they had to make a decision that very day. They had no idea I was there in town, no idea that I was coming. They needed to make a decision that day. Handed him a check for $50,000. He excused himself and went over on the phone and called and ordered that piece of equipment. Now that, my friends, is God. That is God. It's like, I don't know what it did for his faith, but it sure did a lot for my faith. Just hearing stories like that, if God knew that we would be there on that particular day, the day that they needed it. And so, it's just so, so very cool. So guys, thank you so much for your generosity. As you heard at all the campuses, we're doing one on each service. So we're doing a different one uh, at nine o'clock tomorrow and then one at 11 o'clock and all of our campuses at each one of their services, we're blessing somebody. And again, it's because of you guys. It's because of your generosity that we've been able to do that. I love it. Well, welcome Northview. It's good to have you here. If you're a guest today, Northview's one church in several locations and we'd be honored to have you come if you don't have a church home and be a part of all that God is doing here. We have a micro site we call our North Putt Campus. Could we just do a great big shout out to our North Putt Campus? Yes! And guys, it really doesn't stop there. I mean, I, you know, I tell the staff all the time in our meetings, I said, you know, there are so many things that are going on in so many different ways that we're blessing so many different people, and I don't feel like we're able to come and share everything with you. For instance, Jeremy Miller is a person that attends our church here at the Carmel campus, and he, con he contacted us and talked about the, and I know you've seen it on the news, 6,600 Afghan refugees are here in Indiana at Camp Atterbury. Well, they arrived basically with the clothes they had on their back. I mean, they were, they were pulled out of there. Again, you watched it all on the news. They were pulled out of Afghanistan with nothing more than the clothes on their back. There's so many supply channels that are trying to get to them stuff, but there's so much red tape. I don't know what else to say. And so because of it, they haven't been able to get them anything. And so he let our team know that there was an immediate need. And so we went to our missions and out of our missions, we were able to provide uh, baby food, diapers, sweatshirts, hygiene items, a coloring book for the kids, some sporting things that they could keep busy, uh, and many, many more things. And that again, that's out of our missions, not Dollar Club, but again, that's all you. That's all your generosity, so thank you for that. I think you saw some of the pictures up there that are going on. Some of you may wanna do more, because I know a lot of people have been concerned about that. A lot of people have been asking us about that, and if you would like to get involved in doing more for them, just text NEXT to 85379 and follow the links, and we'll show you how to, um, 
uh, how we can come alongside and we can do even more for the Afghans as they're here. It's so cool, so very, very cool. Thank you, Northview. Pray with me if you would. Father, I just thank you and I praise you for your faithfulness. You're an amazing God. And Lord, I know that you must uh, just smile when you see us reach out to the poor, when you see us reach out to the hurting. God, that's your heart's desire for your church. And I know, God, we're never more like the church than we're reaching out and helping the hurting, when we're reaching out and helping the poor. Thank you, Jesus, for that. God, I just, uh, I'm so grateful for what you're doing at Northview Church, but I'm also thankful for the way that you're blessing churches all throughout central Indiana, and I pray you just continue to do so. And God, today I wanna pray specifically for the creek. I thank you for that incredible congregation and the way that you're using them. I wanna pray specifically for their pastor, Daniel Hamill, and pray, God, that we could link arms together to make a difference throughout central Indiana. Thanks, God, we just love you and praise you. Just ask now that as we get into this message tonight, this talk tonight, that you would use it to challenge all of us. We love you and we praise you. We just ask it in the name of Jesus, amen. Well, guys, I don't know about you, but I'm always amazed by how much things change over the years. I mean, 20 years ago, we had no grandchildren. Today, we have seven grandchildren, and the oldest is 17. 15 years ago, we had one campus, the Carmel campus. Today, we have 12. 10 years ago, if you wanted to rent a movie, you would go to a store to do so. Today, we do it on television. 10 years ago, I had a flip-top phone that I could make phone calls on, and oh, man, it, it was fancy. You could take pictures. Today, I have a smartphone that is smarter than I am. It literally gives me access to the entire church database. I feel like I can take my entire office with me wherever I go. It'll give me directions when I'm lost. That saved my marriage, I'm just telling you that. <laughs> Plus, I have the entire Bible on my phone that I can look up a passage anytime I want. And oh yeah, by the way, it also has a phone. I rarely use it, but it does have a phone on it. And yet, there are a few things, guys, that have not changed. For instance, 20 years ago, I was bald. Still bald. 10 years ago, my seven grandchildren were absolutely the cutest kid you'll ever find in the world. Not changed. 46 years ago, I fell in love with my wife. Not changed. 50 years ago, I fell in love with God, who forgave me of all of my sin and loves me more than I could ever begin to imagine or comprehend. And I'm telling you, my friends, that has not changed. Well, guys, today we are in week three of a spiritual growth campaign called Chosen. And we're talking about some of the fundamentals of Christianity. If you've been here the last couple of weeks, you know that's the case. Talking about the, the simple truths that we build a spiritual foundation upon. We're talking about how special it is to be chosen by God. And again, uh, if you can be here for the rest of this series, I hope you will, because this is gonna unfold even more so over the next few weeks. We've been talking about what it means to have our identity in Christ. In week one, we talked about that I'm chosen by God. That God's not stuck with us, my friends, he chose us. We're no longer our own, but the scripture says we've been bought with a price. Last week, if you were here, I talked about that, that we are chosen for freedom. Jesus paid a very high price so that we could be set free from sin's grip on us. 
Before you're a believer, before you're a Christian, sin had a hold on you. It had a grip on you. Once you stepped across the line of faith, God gave you the power to say no to sin. So yes, God loves us, he chose us, and he has set us free. Paul said in scripture several places, it talks about that it was for freedom's sake that God has set us free. Now today, today I want you to see that we also have been chosen for change. God wants to transform us into his image. Listen guys, you and I have been chosen for change. God doesn't want us to stay the same. He has a wonderful plan for our life. He knew you before you were ever in your mother's womb and he chose you and he loves you and he wants, to take, he wants us to take on the nature of Christ. He wants us to take on his characteristics, his attributes. This next verse uh, has kind of been our theme verse throughout this series. In 1 Peter it says, but you are. That's important. You are. Why is that important? Because it's identifying who you are as a believer and who I am as a believer. And Peter says, you are a chosen people, royal priests, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. You were chosen to tell about the wonderful acts of God. You realize that, guys? That is your calling, that is your role, that is your responsibility. You were chosen to talk about the wonderful acts of God who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Peter says you are, you are a chosen people, you are a holy nation. What does that even mean? You are a holy nation. It means that you are a holy people. What does holy mean? Holy means to be set apart. Peter's saying that once you chose to follow Jesus, once you chose to follow Christ, you have been set apart from the things of this world. That you are no longer the same person that you used to be. You've been chosen by God and changed by his spirit. Guys, we really do need to hear this. I cannot tell you, again, some people say, well, that's just such basic stuff. It's so basic that oftentimes we overlook it and miss it. We need to hear it, it's important, and it's why Peter is reminding us here. He says, who are you? You are a holy child of God. You are set apart for God, and you have been changed by God. And the transformation all starts, it all begins when you step across that line of faith and start or begin that relationship with Jesus. And the more you fall in love with him, the more you begin to change. And the more, friends, listen to me, and the more you will start to take on the characteristics of Christ. Your words, your actions, your thoughts, your desires, your priorities, and your attitude towards other people. Your relationships and your life as a whole once you're a believer, it should all start to change. And that, my friends, is what God wants to happen in your life and what he wants to happen in my life. Now, some of you might push back and say, now, wait a minute, Steve. I thought you said that God loved us just the way we are. He does. He loves you, and he wants, he wants you to come to him as you are, but he doesn't want you to stay as you are. Did you catch that? He absolutely loves you and he wants you to come to him as you are, but he doesn't want you to stay as you are. He wants you to become more like Christ. We are to exemplify Jesus, to exemplify Christ. You know, the, the best example I can think of is that I've loved my kids, my two kids, at every age, at every stage of life, at every age. I loved them just the way they were. I loved them when they were two years old, but I didn't want them to stay at two years old. I loved them as 10-year-olds, but I didn't want them to stay there. 
I loved them as teenagers, and for goodness sakes, I didn't want them to stay there. Seriously, guys, I have loved and I've enjoyed every stage of their life. I loved them as adults, but I wanted them to continue to grow. I wanted them to continue to mature and become the person that God wanted them to be. So yes, God loves you, and he loves you at every stage along the way, every stage along the path of life. But he wants you to continue to grow and become more like Christ. In Ephesians chapter 4, it says, this work... This work must continue until we are all joined together in the same faith and in the same knowledge of the Son of God. We must become like a mature person. Did you get that? We must become like a mature person growing until we become like Christ and have his perfection. So Paul's saying, once you've stepped across the line and you've invited Christ into your life, he doesn't want you to stay there. We're on a journey. He wants you to keep moving and growing. He wants you to grow up in Christ. Paul also writes over in 2 Corinthians, he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, who would that be? That would be every one of you that profess to be a believer. So if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. The old is gone, the new is here. And all this change happens when we are in a relationship with Christ. Listen, guys, when you connect with God, it should change you. I mean, if you've been a believer now for five years and still no one that you work with, none of your coworkers can tell a difference, something's wrong. You say, but I attend church every week. It's not about attending church. It's about the spiritual journey that you're on. It's about the relationship you have with Jesus. And if the people in your world, they've known you from the time you accepted Christ and they can't see any difference and they can't tell that anything's ever changed for you, then something's wrong. You know, guys, if you grab the hold of an electric wire, would something happen to you? Yeah, it would knock you on your keister. Well, in the same way, to come into a relationship with a living God, it should be life-changing. It should open up your eyes. It should change your attitude and your wants and your desires. Throughout the scripture, we see so many stories where people came into contact with Jesus, whether we're talking about the Old Testament or the New Testament, we see it in both places, where people came in contact with Jesus and their life was dramatically changed. I mean, think about the Old Testament story of Jacob wrestling with the angel of the Lord. Now, the angel of the Lord, and I've talked to you about this before, many times most believe that whenever in the Old Testament it refers to the angel of the Lord, that it's a theophany, or in other words, it's an appearance of Jesus in physical form. So basically, J Jacob was wrestling with Jesus. J Jacob came, listen, Jacob came away with a permanent limp and a new name, but he also came away a changed man. Goodbye to Jacob the shyster, hello to Israel. The man, which literally means the man who prevails with God. Or what about the New Testament when Saul? Saul was out to destroy Christians, and then what happened? He had an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus that literally knocked him off his high horse. It blinded him. He came away from that experience, guys, a changed person, a changed man. Goodbye to Saul, the terrorist. He literally was a terrorist putting Christians to death. Hello to Paul the apostle. Or guys, we could go on and on, but what about your story? Did your life change when you were confronted with the living God? Well, I can tell you mine certainly did. In fact, that's, that's what baptism symbolizes. That's what it's all about. In Romans chapter 6, it says, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death 
in order that, listen, in order that, go back, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So the word baptize literally means to immerse. It means to dip or to plunge or to saturate. When we baptize somebody, what are we doing? We are immersing them in water. We put them all the way under. And of course, the symbolism is our old self has died with Christ, and now we've been buried with Christ, and now we're being raised to newness of life with Christ. We're being raised to newness of life with Christ, a new life, a new beginning. All of our sins are forgiven. All of our sins are gone. This is our opportunity to start. This is our, this is our mulligan. This is our chance to begin again. A brand new you is raised to life in Christ. Friends, if you haven't been baptized, let me just say this here. If you've accepted Christ in your life and you haven't been baptized yet, I would encourage you to take that next step. It's an important step because it symbolizes the change. And if, you, you know, if, you've just, if you've just accepted Christ so that you can get your bus ticket to heaven, if you've just accepted Christ so that you can know that when I die, I'll go to heaven, man, you're missing out on what Jesus has for you. You're missing out on the entire point. And that's why I would encourage you to take every step. What's your next step? And just take every step in your spiritual growth and the change that Christ wants to bring. And so once you've accepted Christ, the next step is baptism. If you haven't done that, I would encourage you to do so. The next baptism is less than a month away, October the 23rd and the 24th. I would encourage you to sign up. Just again, text to 8537, text next to 85379 and follow the links and sign up for baptism. Guys, life is a journey. And we need to keep taking those steps forward. And that's why you continue to hear me say, you'll continue to hear all the campus pastors say, what's your next? Text next. You hear us talking about it all the time now. That's intentional, obviously. We're doing that because we want that to be a part of your thinking. We want that to be a part of your subconscious when you're coming to church, you're always thinking about next. What's your next? What is the next step you're taking to grow spiritually? What is the next step you're taking so that you're moving your spiritual journey down the road? You've gotta be intentional about creating spiritual disciplines. You've gotta be intentional about creating healthy habits in your life. It's not just gonna happen because, uh, it, it's not just gonna happen because you said I do to Christ. For instance, maybe you were baptized and you're next, you, you said, well Steve, you know, I accepted Christ and I've been baptized and so you're next maybe is to start a daily quiet time with God. Maybe you don't have a daily devotion, and maybe it's just only gonna be 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, but you decide, okay, starting this week, I'm just gonna take 15 minutes every morning, and I'm just gonna be by myself and God, I'm gonna open up the scriptures, I'm gonna read, I'm gonna spend some time in prayer. Just, it's a place to start every morning, spending time with God. Or maybe your next is to find a place to serve God using the spiritual gifts and talents that God has given you. Every one of you as Christians, as believers, has been given gifts and talents by God. He's entrusted those to you. And therefore, since he's entrusted those gifts to you, you have a responsibility, you have an obligation to use those for the kingdom of God. And, and therefore, when you start serving, you start growing. I, I've said this to you many times before, I virtually believe if we don't serve, I don't believe we can grow. 
I have a strong conviction about that. Some of you may argue it and push back, but I have a very strong conviction that if a person is not utilizing the gifts and talents that God has given them, if they're not serving God, they cannot grow spiritually. But Steve, I read the Bible every day. I memorize scripture every day. That's a good thing. But it's, you know, it's that analogy that, if, that uh, I can read all about fishing all day long, but if I never cast a line, am I really a fisherman? You know, in the same way, if I never really serve or utilize the gifts that God has given me, am I ever going to grow spiritually? And I don't believe that you will. Maybe you want to be a better husband. Maybe you want to be a better wife. Maybe you want to be a more generous person or, or, or get your finances in order. Whatever it may be, just decide, okay, this is an area that I'm struggling with, and so this is my next. This is the area I'm going to work on. This is the next step I'm going to take so that I can exemplify Christ so that I can be more like Jesus. Decide what you're going to do to grow. Decide what you're going to do to get there. In fact, guys, I'll just tell you this too in your life groups. This would be a great discussion in your life groups. And I would encourage you, your next life group meeting, ask this question, what's your next? What's your next? Go around the room and talk about it. You know, what have you decided is gonna be the next step you're gonna take spiritually? We actually think this is so important that we've created a class that we call the next experience. You've heard us talk about that. It doesn't matter if you're new to Northview or if you've been around for years. I really do believe the next experience, guys, will help you discover your next steps. Listen, we want you to know what your next steps are because we want you to grow, which is why we offer the class every single weekend. It meets for four weeks. You've heard your campus pastor talk about it. It meets for four weeks, and then it's repeated over and over. Four weeks, and then the next four weeks, and the next four weeks. That way, you can go in any weekend and just go for four weeks, and you'll catch every class. Guys, I'm just telling you, you gotta make an intentional decision that I'm gonna grow, that I'm gonna take my next step. It's not gonna happen by osmosis. It's not gonna happen, you, you know, you can stick your Bible under your pillow every night and think that when you wake up in the morning you're gonna be this mature Christian. It just doesn't work that way. You've gotta take steps to move forward. You can't follow Jesus and stay where you are. Following Jesus Following Jesus in itself will create change. It'll create maturity, which is why it's so important to keep figuring out the next step. So you can create these healthy habits in your life that will then help you to grow. I read a story about uh, Rich Stearns. Many of you know that name, some of you don't, but Rich Stearns was the president of World Vision. And he and his, not, he and his wife, Renee, uh, tell the story that they were in a village in Malawi and as they stopped in Malawi, their car was immediately surrounded by children. And so they got out and they were greeting the kids, including this group of boys that had been off in a field and they were playing soccer. And so all these boys ran over to the car and one of the boys was carrying the soccer ball. And the soccer ball was basically a bundle of old plastic bags tied up together with a string. That's, that, that was what they were using as a soccer ball because they didn't have a soccer ball. And so Renee says to the boy, can we trade? And she reaches in the car and pulls out a soccer ball and says, can we trade? Will you give me yours if I give you this? Well, the boy thought about it for a few seconds and then he realized this meant giving up his ball. And so he runs to his buddies to discuss the offer. And then he comes back a few minutes later to make the trade. Now to us, we hear a story like that and it just seems absolutely like a no-brainer. 
You know, trade a homemade soccer ball made of plastic and a string for a real one. But this boy or all these boys were familiar with that homemade ball. It was comfortable to him. It was his, and it was hard to give up. And I would just say that there are people today that often feel the same way about their lives. Change is hard. The old is familiar, and it's comfortable, while the new, well, it's new. It's different. It's scary. Maybe the idea of change intimidates you. There are some of you in this room I'm confident that I'm speaking to right now. There's some of you that are at any one of our campuses that I'm confident I'm speaking to you right now because you're comfortable where you are. And, and, and here we're talking about change and we're talking about growing spiritually. And if you were honest, you'd say, I don't like change. I like comfort. I, I like doing what I'm comfortable doing, what I do day in and day out. We don't like change. But I will assure you that as you change and become more like Jesus and take on his characteristics, there's obviously benefits that come with that. And there's certainly spiritual growth that comes with that. And so let me assure you that it's a good thing. You're trading in your old ball of rolled up bags for a real ball. You're trading your old life for a new one one that's full of promises, one that's full of love and peace and joy. And God wants to fashion you into the image of his son. He wants to make you like Jesus. John writes in 1 John, he says, see how very much our Father loves us? See how very much our Father loves us? For he calls us his children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him. We do know that we'll be like him, for we will see him as he really is. We know that we'll be like him. One day we shall see Jesus as he is. And the scripture says we will be like him. That's the whole point. It's trying to exemplify Christ, trying to take on his nature and his character. Guys, do you understand your destiny? Your destiny is to be like Christ. So church, hear me. From this very moment until the day you see him, God is at work in your life, molding you and shaping you into the image of Jesus. That's really what it's about. People again, try, they get confused about, well, what's God's plan for my life? It's to become like Jesus. Do you understand that everything that God does in our life is to draw us closer to himself and to make us more like Christ? So what does it mean to look more like Jesus? Do you need to go out and buy some sandals and a robe and grow a beard? I hope not because I've never been able to grow a beard. I just look like a bum on the street. It's a sad thing. No, it has nothing to do with the way I dress. It has nothing to do with the way you dress. It's about character. It's about virtue. It's about taking on the nature of Christ. In fact, Paul tells us the very, listen to me on this, guys. Paul tells us that the very evidence of spiritual growth or the very evidence of change is what? It's the fruit of the Spirit. The very evidence of change is the fruit of the Spirit. That's what he's talking about in Galatians chapter 5. He says the fruit of the Spirit is what? It is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. These are all the character qualities of Jesus. Everyone that I just read there, those are all the character qualities of Christ. And as you change or grow, these characteristics are becoming more and more evident in your life. 
They're becoming more and more evident. Your friends will recognize it. They'll see those qualities in your life. So how does he do it? How does God change you? Now notice what I said, how does God do it? How does God change you? I didn't say how do you do it. I said how does he do it? Christian, the Christian walk, guys, is a partnership. The Christian walk, your, your spiritual journey is a partnership. Your part is to do what? It's to be intentional and take next steps, to create healthy habits or spiritual disciplines. God's part is to bring the change in us. Listen, guys, Christianity is not a self-help tool. You don't go to the bookstore and look in the self-help section. The actual change in our life, the actual change that takes place in our life is the work of God's Holy Spirit, not ours. Let me quickly give you four ways, if you're taking notes, let me quickly give you four ways that'll help make us more like Jesus. Number one is His Holy Spirit. Obviously, we need His Holy Spirit. When you become a believer, when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit moves into your life. If you were here last week, I talked a little bit about that. I said that the Holy Spirit was God's seal in our life. God's seal that you actually belong to Him, that He resides in you, He lives in you. And He then goes to work changing us from the inside out. God wants to change your heart more than anything else. He, more than anything else, God is interested in your heart, and he begins to change you from the inside out. He gives you the power to live the Christian life, which is why it's so important to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter five, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. This can, this can, he says, instead, be filled with the Spirit. That's a continuous action verb, which means keep on being filled with the Spirit every single day. Keep on being filled with the Spirit of Christ. I mean, how many of you keep your car filled with gas? Obviously. What happens when you run out of gas? Well, I'm telling you, pushing your car is no fun, because that's what's going to happen. Side note, I was, I was eating in a fast food restaurant uh, last Saturday night, actually, after the service, we took our grandkids and took all of them uh, out to a fast food restaurant. And while I was there, they're all talking, and I'm looking out the window, and the, and the, uh, the drive-through lane is super long. And I notice all of a sudden, it catches my attention, the, the lane moves up, and this guy opens his door, and he's pushing his car with his foot. True story. He's pushing his car with his foot, and he moves up. They move up one car length, and he gets back in and shuts the door. And I watch that. They move up again. He opens the car door. He pushes the car every single time. He's moving that entire lane by pushing his car. What was he doing? I have no idea. <laughs> Can you imagine if you had to do that all the time? I'm, I, everything within me wanted to go out there and like, what are you doing? It would be really hard to get anywhere if we had to push our car everywhere we wanted to go. Trying to live the Christian life without being filled with His Spirit is like trying to drive your car without gas. Guys, we need to be filled with His Spirit. God didn't, God didn't want this thing to be difficult. God tried to make this Christian life as easy as He possibly could. He gave us all the tools we need. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed. We're being changed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So again, where does change come from? It comes from the Holy Spirit taking up residence in your life. 
The second component of change is number two, spiritual training. Paul writes in 1 Timothy chapter 4, he says, do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. So Paul's saying, instead, this is what you need to do. This is your obligation. This is your responsibility. Train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. You know, how many of you work out at home or in a gym? You exercise one way or another. How many of you would be, yeah, some of you, some of you, not so much. Uh, for those of you that do, that's good. <laughs> I do as well. Physical exercise is good. And guys, it's important. But friends, please hear me on this, especially for those of you that are really into health and you're really into exercise and taking care of your bodies, and I commend you for, the, for, for doing that. But I'm just telling you, as important as that is, it doesn't even compare to how important spiritual training is. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying you have to create these spiritual habits or these disciplines in your life. Listen, all that running and pumping iron might help you today, it might help you right now, but it'll do nothing for your afterlife. While spiritual training is valuable, we know it because we need to take care of these temples that we're living in for both the present life and the life to come, is what spiritual training will do. Physical is just for this life, but if we're concerned about what's gonna be after we step through into the next, uh, into heaven, then we need to be concerned about our spiritual health. So that's why it's important to ask yourself, what's next? What is my next? What step do I need to take to grow spiritually? What's next for me? Friends, we've gotta train ourselves to be godly. Because when we practice spiritual disciplines, we connect with God, and when we connect with God, we change. The third component of change, number three, is renewing your mind, how you think, what you value, the stories you tell yourself. All of these things make you who you are. But many of you have been listening to the wrong stories. Many of you have been listening to the wrong voices. And we need to have a change of mind, a renewing of our mind. We need to see our story as part of God's upper story. I love the passage in Romans chapter 12. It says, do not conform, do not shape yourself around, do not conform to the pattern or to the bad habits of this world, but instead, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to be changed. We're supposed to be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Paul says, do not conform to the bad habits of this world. Instead, instead, God wants to change your mindset. God wants to change the way you think about things. God wants to change your paradigm. God wants to change the way you look at circumstances or, or trials or troubles in life. You know, there's a, a lot of cynicism today about God. If you talk to your unchurched friends, your coworkers, if you talk to them, there's a lot of cynicism. In fact, honestly, guys, I think there's a lot of cynicism even in the church. You hear Christians, they'll say, well, what's, what's God want from me anyway? Does God, really, does God really care whether I serve him or not? Does God really care about any of this, Steve? Guys, I wanna help change your mindset today. Yes, he does. A thousand times, yes, absolutely. God loves you, he has a purpose and a plan for your life, and he wants to change your mindset. It's not what he wants, listen, 
Let me say it this way. It's not what he wants from you, but what he wants for you. It's not what, what God wants from you, it's what he wants for you. He wants to mold you and shape you into the image of Christ, to take on his nature and characteristic. In John 10, 10, he writes and it says, the thief, Satan, the devil comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. God wants you to experience life in all of its fullness. Guys, the, listen to me, the best way to renew your mind is to fill it with scripture. Seriously, when you read the Bible, you start to see how God thinks. You start to begin to understand from God's perspective, from God's mindset. You start to see what he values and how he wants to change you to become like him. The more you read about him, the more you know him. The more you read about him, the more you'll change. The more you read about him, the more you will renew your mind. Guys, I've read the Bible. I've read through the Bible dozens of times in my adult life. In some sections and some parts I read more than others. Maybe some parts I've read hundreds of times. And yet every time I read it, every time I read it, I see something new. I'm reminded of things that I still don't understand yet that I need to understand. Each day, little by little, God is renewing our minds. If we'll get in the scripture, Every day I read scripture, he's renewing my mind and giving me a God perspective, a God mindset. And that's why I constantly tell you how important it is. People today say, well, I just don't like to read. We don't like to read anymore. Oh my gosh, get over it. Get over it. Pick up a Bible and start to read. Every day, just make a determination. Today I'm gonna read this much. And some say, well, Steve, I'm not a good reader. Then get it on Audible, you can listen. You can listen to scripture. And so just let somebody else read it to you, but get into scripture. It's why it's so important that we're in the word of God every day. The fourth component of change, number four, is community. Christianity, guys, is a team sport. We can't play it alone. We need other people in our life. God uses other people to encourage us, to correct us. He uses other people to train us and to challenge us. In Hebrews chapter 10, it says, let us think of ways, I love that, Let us think of ways, let's get creative here. Let us think of ways to motivate one another, to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. I love that. Are you, are you sitting around trying to be creative in that area of your life? Are you trying to think of how in the world can I motivate people to do acts of love and good works? He says, let us encourage one another to keep going. Let us encourage one another to keep pressing on. When you have friends that are discouraged and wanna give up, you need to think of creative ways to help them stay motivated. You need to think of creative ways to help them just keep pressing on. You know, Most of you have discovered that it's a whole lot easier to exercise or to run or to study a book or to study the Bible if you have an accountability partner, if you have somebody that's holding you accountable uh, or you're part of a Bible study group and everybody's expected to be there. It's like maybe you don't feel like, maybe you don't feel like reading the Bible today, but you've got this group where you study scripture together and you know if you're not there, you'll be missed, so you feel accountable. I think we're all that way. It it just becomes easier when we have somebody hold us accountable. I think we're all that way to one degree or another. 
You know, it, if, if left to myself, I'm just telling you, I'm tempted to be a couch potato. I need others in my life that are counting on me. I need others in my life to help motivate me to be all that God wants me to be. Guys, that's why church uh, attendance is so important. I know you say, well, you're a pastor. Of course you think that. I absolutely do. I absolutely do. And I hear, you know, right now after coming out of COVID, it's, I'm more concerned than I've ever been before because people have gotten out of the habit. And I'm hearing, I'm hearing quote unquote church experts that are saying, well, you know, the future of the church is online. I'm like, oh my gosh, I pray to God that's not the case because we will be in trouble spiritually if that's the case. We need to gather together. We need to gather together. You know, I can certainly, I can go online and I can watch a sermon, I can watch a message and I can get just as much out of the sermon. There's no question about that. But that's not why church is important. Church is important is because the body of Christ needs to gather together to support one another and to encourage one another. And guys, that's not even to talk about our kids. If you've got young kids, for goodness sakes, you need to have your kids in church. It's also why we need Christian friends. It's why I think life groups are so important and why they're so helpful. Guys, we, can't, we were never intended to do this thing alone. We were never intended to do this thing alone. We need one another. So guys, as I close today, can I just encourage you? You've gotta be intentional. Just right where you're at, I know it's easy to hear a message and let all this just fly over your head, but I'm just praying right now that you'll make a decision today. You'll make a decision today that you're gonna take your next step spiritually, whatever that may be that you're gonna take a step toward God by asking yourself, what is my next? I don't know what it is for you. What is my next? And whatever that might be, make up your mind, guys, that you're gonna move in that direction this week. The more time you spend with Jesus, the more you'll fall in love with him, I promise you. And the more he will change you into the image of Christ. The less confusion you'll have about spiritual things, the more you'll begin to understand truth, the more you'll begin to understand how God is moving and working in your life, the more you'll fall in love with him. I encourage you, make that decision. This week, I'm gonna take my next step. This is what it'll be for me, and I'm gonna take my next step. Well, every, every month we have what we call miracle prayer. We believe in a miracle working God, you know that. Uh, a miracle is basically when God steps into your situation, you're at the end of your rope, you're about to hit a wall, you're discouraged, you don't know what to do, you cry out to God and he steps into your situation, that's a miracle. We believe in a miracle working God, he's still working miracles today. And so again, today uh, we're gonna have our miracle prayer time. I'm gonna ask the campus pastors if you would all uh, come up and lead that at your particular campus if you would.